Welcome to Fly on the Wall Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Songson, CEO and founder of Church Boom. Here you get to sit in on a live coaching session as I coach pastors through the ministry challenges we all face. If you find this podcast helpful, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share. So excited for today's episode, and I hope you enjoy it. It's with my good friend, Ed Carlson. He pastors a great, fast-growing church, and we're talking about the common mistakes that pastors make. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Let's jump into it. How can I serve you today, bro? It's, uh, it's an honor to hang out with you. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're. Uh, I got a, just a, a question that I was thinking about the other day, you know, as our church is growing. Uh, my question was, what what are the top three mistakes that you see pastors make at growing churches? Mm, wow. Well, I'll say top three. I don't know if I'll stop at three. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> could be eight. Uh, no, I'm just joking. Uh, growing churches, uh, where I think mistakes are made. Um, there's a few that come to my mind. One, I don't, I think, I think it depends on the level of growing. So if we're talking about, Hey, a church of 5,000 going up to 8,000, or if you're talking about a church of a couple hundred going from 200 to 500, you know, something like that, which I think yeah. is probably more realistic for most people. Yeah. Um, most people fall into that category than they would the other category. Here's a few things that come to mind. Number one, very few people make the, the leap or the understanding that they have to go from personality to personnel. And what I mean by that is personality is all about, hey, this is... Uh, the church can grow to a certain level based on a pastor's personality. So, uh, you know, people that, man, got are, they're attractional, they're gravitational, they're likable, they're capable, all that stuff. They've got, um, you know, their wife, and she's also likable, capable, gravitational, whatever. And they can get it to 100 or 200 or 250 or whatever that number is. But they're going to have a hard time getting it much higher if they don't make the leap, make the leap from personality to personnel. And when I say personnel, I'm not necessarily talking about paid people, but I'm talking about, do I have four or five major leaders around me? Do I, do, do I have people that are around me that are solid, they're growing, they're high level leaders? Because you're only going to be able to grow it to the level of your personality until you start getting people around you that are at another level. One thing I always talk about is your corporate leadership average. So let's say that you and your wife are an eight. I don't know, whatever that means from a scale of one to 10, but you're, you've got four or five people around you that are twos and threes. You're no longer an eight anymore. You're actually yeah. a four yeah. uh, because the corporate average has brought it down. You want to get higher level leaders. And I think very few people make that leap or that understanding with that comes also, I think, attached to that personnel is, is when they're smaller, they set a goal and they can put how before who. Mm -hmm. When you're getting bigger, you have to put who before how. And that's something I've talked to you about before. I've talked to a lot of leaders about. I don't think they understand that. In other words, like if your goal isn't that big, then just go do it. You don't need anybody's help. Yeah. But if you want to get to that next level, you better find the who before the how which is kind of like personnel, but a little bit different. It's more of a paradigm shift to understand that. So I think that there's a staffing issue. There's a leadership issue. They don't make that leap to realize I can't just have okay leaders around me and I can't just take some person and put a badge on them that says that they're a leader. Man, I got to have some, I've got to, I got to start putting higher level people around me uh, because the, 
The dream is so big, I can't do it by myself. If I can do it by myself, then just go straight to how. Yeah, yeah. But if you want to do something that you've never done before, you're going to have to go to who. That's, I think those are a couple of those mistakes. I'll throw in a third one is I, I think that they underestimate the power of systems. Yeah. So I might ask a person, tell me how you raise up leaders in your church. And it's foggy. Tell me what your generosity calendar looks like. It's foggy. Tell me what your generosity pipeline looks like. And it's a little bit foggy. Um, tell me how you get people from here to here. And, and, and I, I think we, again, because we got there on our personality, we think we don't need the process. Yeah. The personality limits you. So you go to personnel and you go to who before how and all that. But then also the personality limits you that you have to add process. And I don't know if everybody does. I think in theory we do, like we think we are. Yeah. But the system of, okay, how do you raise up leaders? How do you develop leaders? How do you identify one? How, do you, how does a leader go from here to here? Who's apprenticing who? What does that system look like? What does generosity look like? What does growth patterns look like? Uh, I, you know, Steve Ells, he's the founder of uh, Chipotle, and I was reading Fortune 500 magazine. He said, it's not our burritos that make us successful. It's our systems. And he said, we're just really great at systems. And uh, I, I think that's something to be said there. So I would add that into that's where good. I think the mistake is made when you're kind of making that leap or trying to make that leap. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the other one I have is, uh, what are the three most important moves or changes, um, decisions, that a pastor can make at a growing church to keep that momentum going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the whole idea of keeping momentum going, that's a, uh, you know, I always say it's one thing to create momentum. It's another thing to sustain it. Yeah. Sustaining momentum is, is, uh, can be difficult to do. Uh, I think, and you've got to really work hard at keeping that momentum going. One, I do think that you have to keep, you have to keep celebrations and wins in front of the people. And I say people, primarily volunteers and leaders. I don't think we do a really good job with that. We live and breathe this stuff and talk about it every day. But the volunteer in your church that's at the job right now, we're not, they're not thinking about us. Yeah. They're not thinking about us until Saturday night when they're figuring out what they're going to wear tomorrow at church. That's when they're yeah. going to think about us. Uh, and if we don't figure out how do we systematically make sure that they realize that what they do is, a, is causing this to happen. How do we do that in the most creative way possible? Is that a 30-second, 60-second video from, from Ed every Friday? Is that a done in the huddle? Is it done in both places? You've got to keep the wins in front of people. And one thing I always say, if you don't keep the wins in front of your volunteers, then it's like having employees but not pay them. Yeah. It's not going to last very long. Yeah. Uh, you gotta, the way that people get paid is by fruit volunteers. They don't get paid by money. They get paid by fruit. And if you don't show them the fruit mm -hmm. and show them what's going on, then they're not getting paid. And if people aren't getting paid, they mm -hmm. want to quit. Uh, so I think a lot of that has to do with, um, with really just keeping the fruit in front of people. I think that's a momentum that is part of keeping the momentum. I think you have to get ahead of the bell curve. Yeah. A lot of people, I don't know if they do that because the bell curve is really challenging because you're growing and you're coming in as a leader going, we need to change some things. And they're going, we're doing great. Yeah. But you're realizing this is coming. 
And that's the, that's what a leader does. They see further and faster and farther than everybody else. And yeah. so they're able to, everybody else is going, we're doing great. And you're thinking, but if we don't make this change, it's going to level us off. Yeah. Whatever that change is, it might be in, in staffing, it might be a tweaking to the strategy, it might be in how we're doing things, it might be whatever. I think those are some, that, that has to happen as well. And that's, a, that's an interesting spot for leaders because uh, when, you, when you're making a change on the bell curve, you're making a change why things are good. Yeah. yeah if you're only making the change when things are bad, you've yeah. you made the change too late. Yeah, people are still celebrating what caused you to get to the, the right. increase or the, and you're yeah. like, wait, wait a sec. Why are you changing things? Yeah. And you're thinking, because if we don't, we're not going to keep the momentum going. Yeah. I think you got to sit there and just think, well, if we don't tweak that system, if we don't tweak how we do staffing, uh, I'm working with a pastor uh, right now. His church has gone from about 2,000 to 3,500 in the last 25, 24 months. Massive yeah. growth right now. God's doing awesome things. But I keep telling them, stay ahead of the curve, stay ahead of the curve, stay ahead of the curve. So now we're working on staffing and we're working on rhythms of the staff and we're working on you can't have a normal staffing meeting anymore. Now you got to change how you do staffing. You've got to have an executive team, got to have DLT. That's got to switch over here. All this stuff's got to switch. He's got to stay ahead of it. And all the staff is going, but we're good the way we are. It's like, not going to work. It won't yeah. sustain. Yeah. And so I, that's another thing that I think you're looking for those bell curves, how we do staffing. How we raise up leaders, how we how we how we develop uh, executive team versus a regular staff, um, all of that stuff has to be looked at in order for us to stay ahead of the curve. Hey, man, we're we're reaching a lot of young families. And we're starting to see that we got to make changes quickly in our children's, but it's going fine. It's going fine with forty kids. Yeah, but this leader can't handle hundred kids. Yeah. So you got to get ahead of all of that, or otherwise you end up creating a lid and momentum. So yeah, that's good. Yeah. I don't that's know. Good. So those are some of the things that I would say that, man, you got to keep the fruit in front of people. You got to keep the wins in front of people. Celebration. You got to stay held with the bell curve that could have to do with staffing structure strategy. It could have to do with how you do meetings, uh, but you're, you've got to stay ahead of the curve when everybody else think, thinks that things are th fine. Yeah. You got to stay ahead of it. And, yeah, that's uh, good. Otherwise, you'll lose the momentum. And, man, it's a nightmare. <laughs> you know, once you got momentum, man, you do not want to stop. You keep, no. yeah. you keep that thing going as far and yeah. fast as you can. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but you got to stay ahead of it. Yeah, that's uh, good stuff. Otherwise, good. you'll quickly find yourself in a, in a stuck position. Yeah. Yeah. Then you could just read... Yeah, Chris, then you could it. read my book when your church feels stuck. <laughs> I was doing a coaching call like this recently on a podcast, and I, I mentioned a book by Wayne Cadero. And the guy lifts it up right away. I got it right here. And I said, do you have any of my books? He's like, uh, uh, I do. They're, uh, they're in my other office. I'm like, liar. <laughs> Dude, ask, uh, ask um, well, I was on the call yesterday. It was just me, me and uh, uh, Mazden and... Uh, uh, one other guy and yeah. we were talking about your book and I was yeah. at, I was at the office Yeah, and uh, you know, we were talking about your book, dude, literally right over my, right over my shoulder. There you, see, it's because you love me, dude. I love like the other guy I was <laughs> coaching. Uh, so the last question I have for you yeah. today is this, uh, what are the three, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this thing in threes, right? So what are the three best changes or decisions that you can make for a church that you just started parenting. We just brought on a new church that we're parenting. 
And uh, what are the three best changes or decisions or whatever that we can make in helping that church uh, get to a place where we want it to get to? Yeah. So you just brought on a church that is, is it, when you say parenting, is it going to be part of sort of a multi-site with you? Yeah. 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 Okay. We're, we're, we're parenting the day-to-day operation of it and decisions and all that stuff. So is it a multi-site in that they do what you do or are you just parenting it as and you're just more mentoring? No, they'll be doing what we do. I mean, okay. I, wouldn't so it's it's multi-site. Starbucks, I wouldn't say it's a Starbucks model, but yeah. I mean, they were, they will be doing what we're doing. Yeah. Okay, good. The uh, couple thoughts that I have for you is um, one, I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make, especially when bringing on a new church, um, they focus, they being you, me, mm-hmm. whoever, the, the parent, the, the, the main church, whatever, um, they bring someone on and they focus on what they're going to bring when in reality, these people only care about what they get to keep. Mm. And we think we're coming in as the heroes. We've got the systems. We've got all that, which is true. We, we obviously, you know, we, we're bigger, stronger than them, so we probably got more going on. But the people there, if you want to hang on to the people you have there that are coming into the family, yeah. they're, they're really concerned about what they get to keep, hmm. not what you bring. And you got to keep that in mind for a while. Uh, you're, it's not that you don't bring in new things. I'm not saying that. But you got to find some things that they can hang on to, and over time you start morphing it into you. I'm not saying hold on to old traditions, all of them, or hang on to those systems that weren't working anyway. But you just got to be mindful that there's something there that they are hanging on to. And if you can find a way to honor that in some way and as you move along, and then as it morphs, it'll a year from now, they're not going to care as much. But today they care. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a big one. Secondly, is um, obviously is who's leading it and who's in charge. Um, I would look at that. I would look at what they get to keep. I would look at who's leading it. Is the right person leading it? Do they have the right leaders in place? Because we want this thing to grow. Um, and I think that the lead pastor, campus pastor, whatever you want to call him, he's got to know that changes are to be made. Look, if you were, if everything was going right. You wouldn't have asked us for help. Yeah, you but everything isn't going right. Yeah. So you're looking at at that leadership, um, and then the third thing I would look at is invisible momentum. Try to identify any invisible momentum that you can find, and what I mean by that is, what could we do to let's say the church is running sixty people. I don't know, whatever it's running. but And you're like, okay, what could we do that would be invisible momentum? We're not going to change the staging maybe right now or the lights or some something they're going to really see. That's visible momentum. But can we do, can we, like I've always said, focus on engagement over attendance. That will help your church grow. That's kind of invisible momentum. That's just a system. It's not going to stir up any issues, but it creates momentum. You know, what could we do to create the invite culture? What can we do that doesn't stir up the apple cart, if you will, but will gain momentum, Mm. and that momentum will give you stronger equity? Yeah, that's good. That's the things that I look for. So I look, I always want to find invisible momentum because invisible momentum won't stir up the apple cart, but it'll give me the equity I need to stir up the apple cart. cart. So find those points of visible momentum. 
Make sure the right people are in place and don't be afraid to make that call when it's necessary. And definitely um, make sure that you realize that they're really concerned about what you keep. Although we're coming in as this sort of superhero, they're concerned about what they keep. You got to be mindful of that. You know, I think you also, got, you know, and in that you, you, I think there's sometimes there's disrespect to that cross that's in the room, you know, uh, that someone paid for 18 years ago and is still in the church. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that cross may be in the wrong place and it might look old fashioned. We want to move it somewhere else. We just need to be mindful of little things that mean something to a lot of people. doesn't mean that we're not afraid to make changes, yeah. but we're just mindful of how can we best do that. Make you sure know? it's right. Change it the right Yeah. Time. I, I, I was coaching a church one time and uh, I, I thought it was a genius idea the pastor had. They went from pews to chairs. And those pews were in there from the birth of Christ. And what they did is, yeah, I thought it was genius. That the wood, you know, that the wood, kind of the pews where it's kind of wood at the top, then it's cushion, right. then wood at the bottom, whatever. So they rip the pews out. They find some guy that's gifted in, in uh, repurposing wood. They took some of the wood from those pews and made an absolutely, and I'm not talking average, absolutely gorgeous cross with these strips of wood that kind of look like thorns. Mm. And they, they made a cross here and a cross on this side. I don't remember. It was one or two crosses. And, and then they also had the name of the church somewhere in wood. And it was the pews that they made into that. That's so it awesome. took the people that were all kind of worked up about these pews and it just brought it down to be like, no, 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 your legacy is still here. Yeah, it's just shaped differently, and we've put it into cross because we're about new life. I mean, they just they found the narrative for it. It was genius, yeah. and uh, I was like, man, that's a great idea, uh, because they didn't they respected it, but they were able to change it. And I that's think good. we have to be mindful of that too. So that's good. Anyway, yeah. I hope that helps, man. Yeah, thank you very much, man. Super helpful. I uh, always yeah. appreciate our time together and absolutely. Uh, give you some things to chew on and uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, dude. Always great talking with you, man. Keep up the amazing work and whatever I can do to help you, just let me know. Thanks so much. All right, dude. Talk to you later, man. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to the Fly on the Wall podcast. We hope today's episode provided you with some practical steps to lead your church to the next level. If you found this episode helpful, take a moment to leave us a review and share it with others. Remember, when the pastor grows, the church grows, and we grow pastors. We love you. We're your raving fans, and we are cheering you on. See you next week.